0: Yeah.
1: Acting as moderator for tonight's broadcast. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. The best way to get something done. If you, if you hold uh, near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to. Uh, anyway, I, we're ready to get a lot done. It's high noon. For Friday, March 26th, 2021, follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator, and you can join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable, or you can follow the podcast on Gab and Parler at I'm your moderator, and if you want to get some very attractive clothing or novelty items, (laughs) go to www.cancelcouture.com. Today is the 65th full day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist, dummy, fake proxy president Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party to the extent where he can see Xi Jinping in his dreams. He spent more time with Xi than any other leader in the world. And his brain is so broken that he thinks that's a positive. He is also the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history. The sort of family that would call up the Secret Service when they're having a problem, even though the Secret Service doesn't work for them, and then have the Secret Service be his family's own Ray Donovans, off the record. He's also the father of one of the world's most despicable sons, Hunter Biden. Where is Hunter? Congratulations, America. You pretended to be electing President Bartlett from the West Wing and instead You elected Tony Soprano if Tony Soprano was played by a dying Peter Griffin. We are one day removed from an infomercial about how weak America is in the eyes of the world. Do you think any foreign leader watched that press conference yesterday and thought, oh, well, this guy is formidable. <laughs> I mean, what a shocking embarrassment. I, I kind of wish that all the communists were still paying attention to politics and had a thoughtful bone in their body and actually looked at anything longer than the clips that CNN decides to play them. If they had any humility or self-awareness or self-reflection, they would be hanging their heads in shame. What I wish they would all ask themselves, and I'll probably ask some of them in person this weekend, hey, do you think it's maybe a character flaw on your part? that you decided hating the way someone talks made it worth putting a national security threat into office? And also, are you at all concerned that the guy with the glazed-over, dead look in his eyes who has to read answers off note cards to answer basic pre-approved questions may not have been as smart as you all pretend you are. Simple question. Watch the press conference. Watch all one hour of it. You know, that's basically divides down to one single minute a day of Joe Biden answering questions. But then again, half the press conference, well, not half, maybe one quarter of the press conference was the press asking the questions. So it's really less than one minute a day of Joe Biden holding himself publicly accountable to the American people. Do you think that was wise? Do you think that was moral? I know you always tell us That it's moral by virtue of the fact that you support the party of love and compassion and caring and charity, right? You support the party that's not racist at all. (laughs) I cannot wait until these Biden voters get it through their heads that they proactively went out and tried to elect the incompetent version of Adolf Hitler. Is that overboard? Well, tell me what the difference is between the leadership of the Chinese Communist Party and the leadership of the Nazi Party. And since you can't do that because you don't know anything about either, then tell me what it means that the guy you pretended to be the savior of the world for electing, tell me what it means that he has nothing bad to say about the leadership of the Chinese Communist Party, who right now has two million Muslim Uyghurs in concentration camps, where they are re educated out of their religion, and where the women. Are raped and sterilized, and having their heads shaved so that their hair can be sold as extensions to fans of Cardi B. Oh, you holy saviors. Now, crisis and panic on the left because PolitiFact actually said something bad about them for a change. Now, they went ahead and fact-checked whether or not Joe Biden's statement that Jen Psaki has made over and over and over again, that the vast majority of the families coming over the border and the individuals coming over the border are being sent back. Joe Biden says this all the time. Jen Psaki says it all the time, too. The overwhelming majority of these people coming in are being sent back. Now, of course, that's completely false. And it's obviously false because that's why you see so many more problems happening. But let's go ahead and see what Miriam Valverde from PolitiFact, has to say. And by the way, PolitiFact is totally full of shit, and I understand that, and they are a totally state media-run deception arm of the communist propaganda campaign. Don't get me wrong, I'm not giving PolitiFact any real credit for this, and I also don't rely on them for any actual information. But, fact-checking Joe Biden's claim about families at the border. President Joe Biden, in his first press conference as president, sought to relieve concerns about the numbers of people arriving at the southern border, claiming that the vast majority are, quote, being sent back, including families. Another quote, thousands, tens of thousands of people who are over 18 years of age and single people, one at a time coming have been sent back, sent home. We're sending back the vast majority of the families that are coming. We are trying to work out now with Mexico, their willingness to take more of those families back. Beautiful quote, very succinct. Also, Trump had already worked that stuff out. Biden is the one who fucked it up. Data reported by Customs and Border Protection, shows that he's right about adults coming alone. Most encountered by Border Patrol agents are being expelled under a public health law invoked by the Trump administration and still, in effect, under Biden. Oh, Biden must not have realized (laughs) the only supporting statement they're making attesting to the truth of Biden's claim is something that Donald Trump did. That's fantastic. But Biden's claim about families facing the same outcome is wrong. According to the latest monthly data from U.S. Customs and Border Protection, February's numbers are all we have so far on enforcement actions during Biden's tenure. Most of January's data came during the Trump administration. The numbers cover how many people were apprehended and placed into deportation proceedings, as well as the number of people who were turned away under a public health law invoked last year. Border Patrol in February. Encountered close to 19,000 family unit aliens. That's their quote. This can include a child and at least one parent. And around 7,900 were expelled. So more than 11,000, the majority, were let in and placed in immigration proceedings. The White House did not provide data that supports his claim. March data is expected in early April. Given that migration flows and Mexican capacity fluctuates, one month of statistics doesn't reflect the full picture, said Vedant Patel, a White House spokesperson. Oh, I'm sure once we get the full picture, Joe Biden will be proven right. The administration's policy remains that families are expelled and when expulsion is not possible due to Mexico's inability to receive the families, they are placed into U.S. immigration proceedings, Patel said. He also said that many families placed in immigration proceedings are ultimately deported when it's determined that their case for asylum doesn't have grounds. Well, I would like to dig into that a little bit more, which I haven't done yet, but the overwhelming likelihood here is that The policy dictates they will be deported, which is why they put in the word ultimately. But that it doesn't actually happen, even if the families let in eventually leave, quote, it won't occur for years, given the extreme backlogs in immigration court that have long predated the Biden industry, end quote. And there we have it. That's from Aaron Reichlin Melnick, uh, policy counsel at the American Immigration Council. The situation at the border has been, quote, complicated and rapidly changing. Reichlin Melnick said in January, more than half of families were expelled. But in February, that stopped being the case. Regardless, none of these are vast majorities and they're not even encompassing the whole problem. They're looking at a specific metric and a specific case. And Joe Biden is then saying that it's like, oh, well, you know, we're not letting them all in. Yes, you are. Biden said. We're sending back the vast majorities of the families that are coming. Border Patrol data shows that in February, the majority of the families were not expelled, that they were let in and placed in immigration proceedings. So far, February is the only full month of the Biden administration for which data is available. Blah, blah, blah. We rate it false. But just to give a more complete picture, let's go to other state media outlet Axios and see what they had to say two days before... Biden stated this obvious falsehood scoop Biden administration expelled just 13% of migrant families in the past week. This is by Steph W kite with a GH was about to say night, but I guess it's kite. The Biden administration kept a Trump era policy known as Title 42 as a tool to quickly turn back adults and families who illegally crossed the southern border. But new Department of Homeland Security data leaked to Axios shows in recent days it's hardly been used for families. The data shows an average of just 13 percent of nearly 13,000 family members attempting to cross the U.S.-Mexico border were returned to Mexico between March 14th and March 21st using the public health order which essentially says that the U.S. can close the border to non-essential travel because of the coronavirus. Or, you know, we could just close the border because they're illegal aliens. It's a sign of how the administration is struggling to keep up with a migration surge and has been recently hamstrung by Mexico's inability to take in more families the U.S. otherwise would expel. Just so you don't think that I'm being unfair to the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist, dummy, fake proxy president. Here's some audio.
0: Biden, as a presidential candidate in 2008, you supported the border wall saying, unlike most Democrats, I voted for 700 miles of fence. This is what you said. Then you serve as vice president in an administration that deported 3 million people, the most ever in U.S. history. Did you do anything to prevent those deportations? I mean, you've been asked this question before and refused to answer, so let me try it once again. I, 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 are you prepared to say tonight that you and President Obama made a mistake about deportations? Why should Latinos trust you? What Latinos should look at is... Comparing this president to the president we have is outrageous, number one. We didn't lock people up in cages. We didn't separate families. We didn't do all of those things, number one. Number two, number two, by the time this is the president who came along with the DACA program, no one had ever done that before. This is the president who sent a legislation to the desk saying he wants to find a pathway for the 11 million undocumented in the United States of America. This is the president who's done a great deal. So I'm proud to have served with him. What I would do as president is several more things because things have changed. I would in fact make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. They deserve to be heard. That's who we are. We're a nation that says if you want to flee and you're fleeing oppression, you should come. I would change the order that the president just changed, saying women who were being beaten and abused could no longer claim that as a reason for asylum. And by the way, retrospectively, you know, the 25th anniversary of the Violence Against Women Act is up. The Republican Congress has not reauthorized it. Let's put pressure on them the past, the Violence Against Women Act now. But <coughs> yeah, go but back. You, you didn't answer the question, well, the president, did, did, you the make question. A mi- no, did you make a mistake with those deportations? The president did the best thing that was able to be done at the time. How about time. you? I'm the vice president of the United States, uh, Secretary Castro.
1: So the in the audio, you can hear him obviously lying and dodging and trying to divert. And of course, you can quite clearly hear him say affirmatively and proactively that he thinks that people should be surging to the border to claim asylum. But what you missed by watching is his completely dead stare while the question was being asked and how even just, you know, roughly a year or so ago, how much more put together he is than now. I mean, as incoherent and rambling and stupid and dishonest as that answer was, that was actually, hmm, better than where he's at now? I mean, Joe Biden at least used to be able to speak in full sentences. He can't do that anymore. You might have heard on the audio the crowd grumbling and booing at his answers because they were so obviously false. And if you've been following Joe Biden's career over decades, and I have been, You can hear him go back to the Violence Against Women Act over and over and over and over and over. And you can hear him go back to his uh, 94 crime bill over and over and over and over and over. That's the only kind of politics what you just heard right there. That's the only kind of politics that Joe Biden knows how to play. Joe Biden's actual role in politics is figuring out how. To make the right relationships and the right corrupt moves to make his family more powerful so they can get more money. And, of course, so that they all stay out of prison since they are all actually criminals. Right down to Jill. It's going to be wonderful one day to know that Dr. Jill Biden is also in Gitmo for her complicity in the family crime business and her assistance in covering up those crimes. She does have knowledge of crimes. Keep in mind. So too, for that matter, does Michelle Obama. But back to Axios. That doesn't mean the other 87% will remain in the United States indefinitely, but they will be allowed into the U S to go through the immigration proceedings. Now, Does anybody know what catch and release is the immigration proceedings will be entirely by choice of those illegal immigrants who are now here and allowed into the U S this is an Axios fact check. Okay, does it sound to you like the right policy for a country is to allow illegal immigrants into the country and then allow them to stay indefinitely while some process takes place. Do you think that other countries around the world allow this? Anyone? Does anyone think this is how the rest of the world treats a mass illegal migration. It's not. That's the first thing to remember when you're thinking, oh, well, it's xenophobic to not want illegal immigrants in your country. No, it ain't. And if it is, talk to every single other country in the world before you say it about the United States. How about that? I'll take that deal. It's too soon to say how many will ultimately be granted asylum or deported and when. Proceedings can take years. Really? Why? Oh, you're an illegal immigrant? Get back over there. That's all the proceeding we need. What they're saying. Given fluctuating migration flows, one week of statistics doesn't reflect the full picture, a DHS spokesperson told Axios. Our policy remains that families are expelled and in situations where expulsion is not possible due to Mexico's inability to receive the families, they are placed into removal proceedings. This would be more honest if he said. Where expulsion is not possible due to us not wanting to expel people because Joe Biden invited them in the first place. That's really what's going on here. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said Monday that the process of deporting those families sometimes, quote, takes a minute to ensure there is proper transportation and steps in place to do that. Well, what? They're literally busing, training and planing these illegal immigrants all over the country, even some up to the northern border states. Got it? So what transportation problem do you seem to be having? You've got planes, trains, and automobiles at easy access to transport these very same illegal immigrants. You're just transporting them the wrong fucking direction. And that's obvious. Pisaki said there are only narrow, narrow circumstances in which families can't be expelled. And those narrow circumstances, of course, are whenever they don't want to. Like if, for instance, they are MS-13 members that are being brought in intentionally. Or human and drug smugglers, traffickers from the cartels. Those ones also are... Oh, they're, they're just really tough. We don't know what to do with them. So we're going to leave them here for anywhere between, you know, three and five years or forever while our proceedings take place because we wouldn't want to mess with the proceedings. As you can see, we have a perfect system and all we have to do is trust the process. But Biden administration officials also say Mexico doesn't always have capacity to take in families sent there under Title 42, especially when families inclu- include young children. Well, we don't have that capacity either, which is why they keep opening centers, keeping children in cages at 720 percent of the capacity during a global pandemic, which is very scary. And the children sometimes can't shower for a week. And they're being kept in these little plastic pods with aluminum foil blankets. But sure, we have the ability to take them in. A DHS official told Axios the U.S. is, quote, working with our partners in Mexico to increase their capacity. Uh, what? How about just stop telling them to come? Top Biden border officials met with Mexican officials on Monday to discuss solutions to the surge at the border. Again, best solution, don't tell them to surge to the border in the debates, you fucking idiot. When Title 42 is not invoked, these migrants are tested for the coronavirus and quarantined if needed before being placed in removal proceedings, according to the DHS official and Pisaki, both of whom are lying. Some are transferred to the custody. I, I I added that part just to be clear. Some are transferred to the custody of Immigration and Customs Enforcement, which recently signed a contract to provide hotel rooms for migrant families. That is the $86 million. And by the way, these are going to NGOs, non-governmental organizations, and they figure out the whole hotel room thing, and then they keep the rest of the money. Hey, let's put... Forty two immigrants in one room in a motel six, and then we'll keep the other four hundred thousand dollars they sent down this way for for those same immigrants. Some are released at bus stops or n- local non governmental organizations. Oh, bus stops. Oh, they're just released at bus stops. Right. That sounds like a good process. I cannot believe Axios writes these things. While trying to provide cover for this administration, they are released at fucking bus stops. Border patrol agents in the Rio Grande Valley sector are releasing some migrants without a court date. Hmm. I wonder when they'll come back. I wonder if they're like lost puppies and they just circle the bus stop whimpering wondering when their owner will come back. Or maybe it's more like the incredible journey and they leave the bus stop figuring out how to return to the border facility where they were processed. Or, you know, maybe they just go on their way wherever the hell they want in America until they find a place and then vote for a communist three years later after taking welfare And filling the schools with their children. And again, I don't mean to sound like I have no compassion for people who actually need help. Or that I believe that these people shouldn't have dignity. The problem is with our system. And the problem is with people like Joe Biden. Who encourage illegal immigration to the United States. Knowing full well. That our system, our process, and our facilities are unprepared to do the right thing for these people. It would be a tragedy if we simply couldn't take care of them. But that tragedy is made worse by people like Joe Biden forcing the U.S. to have moral culpability for this humanitarian crisis. Because he asked for it and he compounds it and makes it worse. This is the Democrat Communist Party agenda. I've talked about this before. Conservatives, they like and not not good conservatives, by the way. But the conservative benefit from illegal immigration is cheap labor. The communist benefit from illegal immigration is free votes. These people are basically professional voters. They come here, get the resources they need to live, and all they have to do is vote for the communists. And of course, the deep state, the globalist benefit from this sort of immigration is that they're freely able to traffic drugs and humans across what should be the border of a sovereign nation. But not to worry, none of this is Joe Biden's fault. Jennifer Rubin, that insane hag who writes for The Washington Post, gave Joe Biden an A at his press conference yesterday. An A. He literally read answers off cards. I might have been wrong. Maybe he didn't have an iPad there. There are actually pictures of him with the photographic layout of all the journalists that would be in the room. And then the ones he was supposed to call on were circled. And obviously he wasn't going to call on people from Fox, etc. even though they were invited into the room. That's, again, disgraceful. But then there are pictures of him with the cards, with the actual answers to the pre-planned questions. And all he did was read off those cards. You can literally match the pictures of the cards to his exact word-for-word answers that he gave. That's how pathetic and propagandistic this regime is. Now, if you'll recall, Trump used to go out almost every single day during the beginning few months of what we can call the coronavirus period. And he would stand there answering questions without notes, trying to be as honest and transparent as he could. Now, he didn't get everything right, but he was out there with no backup. I mean, of course, he had other people there, and he would turn to them for the answers to the questions, like Fauci and Burks and blah, 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 which is what a leader is supposed to do. They're supposed to delegate. They're supposed to have the people right there so that when people are and are asking questions, he can get them the right answer. That's not at all what happens in this uh, fake Biden regime. This pathetic shell of a man who was a very stupid person at his sharpest. Is reading the answers to pre-approved questions off of note cards. Word for word. And one last thing about this press conference. Huffington Post was there. That's not even a news organization. That's a communist propaganda blog site. Embarrassing. It's just embarrassing. So Trump actually appeared on Laura Ingram last night. And if you haven't watched it, go ahead. Uh, Most of the interview was pretty normal stuff. The one interesting part. To me, actually, there were two interesting parts. The one was that Trump was talking about how basically everybody with eyes and an adult brain knows that the election was fraudulent and Laura Ingram kept trying to cut him off and to move on. She clearly didn't want him expressing that on her show because Laura Ingram is part of the problem. She tried to say, "Well, you know, we we don't really want to relitigate the past here, and blah, blah blah. Yes, we do. Yes, we do, Laura. And your viewers, I would imagine the bulk of them, want to relitigate the past, and in fact, the past is going to be relitigated, whether you're on board for it or not. You don't actually have a choice about that. And the longer you delay doing it and pretend that it's not a thing, the more embarrassed you're going to be when it becomes a thing that you tried to avoid. The other interesting part was right near the end of the interview. It was she Laura called it the final question, but then asked another question afterwards. But. To the election fraud issue, Trump's exact wording was, you see what I see. Everybody sees it. The press doesn't report it. They understand it just as well as we do. It's a crazy life we're leading right now, but that's okay. It'll all hopefully work out. But they can't be allowed to destroy our country. They being, of course, the Biden regime. And then he says, but and they are destroying our country at the southern border. And now you can say I'm reading too much into this, and that's fine. I don't think I am. Donald Trump is saying right there, everyone knows what happened in the election. Everyone knows. Every honest person knows. Dishonest people pretended it didn't exist, and then they avoided looking at any of the evidence proving that it does exist. But Trump knows, and everyone around him knows, and there is no way that they are going to just move on from November 3rd. And that's an excellent thing for us to know because there's still quite a lot going on on the election fraud front. There are still cases out there and there are cases in states being decided in our favor. It will be obvious that Trump won the election in the coming weeks or maybe couple of months. But I was focused on Trump saying, They can't destroy our country. So if you believe, like I do, that they are allowing the American people to see what this is that has been allowed to progress this far, then that statement basically means there is eventually a cutoff point where we are going to have to act more quickly. And a lot of people are really disappointed thinking that there is no action and that it was some measure of incompetence or inaction that has allowed it to progress this far. I don't believe that. I believe that there are certain trigger points, the southern border being one of them, if that truly gets out of control in an unmanageable, unrecoverable way. But there will be others in terms of foreign policy, in terms of what's happening in this country. Again, all you really have to believe to agree with me is that the space force exists and our satellites are better than everyone else's and that our military actually still protects our country and our Constitution. I believe all of those things. And so I do believe that this situation will all be straightened out. And we'll find out that Joe Biden was never actually any sort of legitimate president, which is why every single day I say Joe Biden will never be president. Joe Biden cannot ever be president. Joe Biden is a criminal who was not legitimately elected. But let's move on to the second worst Biden. Now, Jack Posobiec put up this particular tweet. Uh, The National Pulse has covered this today. But Posobiec's tweet was largely a graphic of Hunter Biden text messages from Hunter Biden's laptop. And I'll read it for you. She has repeatedly made me feel sexually inadequate in comparison to the men she has been with before me. And then she tells me all she needs from me is sex. She has shown me pictures of the escort she planned to see. She has implied that she and her girlfriends were romantically involved behind my back. She has told people so many lies about me. She has been my single biggest detractor privately and publicly. She goes so far as to say she won't tell me what she does on any given day. I do not really know in any way any one of her friends. She has never, except once, included me with her friends. She planned well in advance and executed a move from Annapolis to Delaware with the kids from our home, telling, without telling me in secret, and even got a job all while acting as if when I got clean we would be together, knowing the worst place in the world for me was Delaware. And he's talking about Halle Biden here. She has told people. I've ruined her credit and taken money from her. Hallie owes me four hundred and forty thousand dollars, at least just from Amex. I had an accountant here go through every Amex statement and every wire transfer I've made or received. I wouldn't care, except that's the rumor she started that went all the way from her lips to the club to a random bar and an acquaintance three times removed. He heard that Hunter spent Halley's money. God, this is so indecipherable because he's like just so incoherent in his writing. Hunter had spent Halley's money and that does not include the over $350,000 I have given Her sister, I guess it's kind of blurred out. I can't see it. She has implied that, oh, this is her sister he's talking about, that her sister and I are sleeping together. She has told people that I constantly and obsessively invade her privacy going through photos and phone bills, et cetera. She forgets that she was the first to do that. I had no secrets, and when she found a picture of Brianna, a woman I introduced her to, the same moment I first met her over the phone, and I've never, when confronted, lied to her about anyone. Wow. It's, it's just so deranged, all of this. She has more photos of screenshots of my phone in her photos than everything than anything else. She has promised me that if I came home, she would stop. And the moment I fall asleep, she has taken my keys and phones and gone through everything. She has secret photo vaults disguised, spelled disguised with an E. I mean, this is an adult man. As other apps on her phone and texts meant for people in affairs, she stole the gun out of my truck lockbox and threw in a garbage can full to the top at Jansen's. then told me it was my problem to deal with. Then when the police, the FBI, the Secret Service came on the scene, she said she took it from me because she was scared I would harm myself due to my drug and alcohol problem and our volatile relationship and that she was afraid for the kids. Well, there we go. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the smartest man that Joe Biden has ever known. But let's stop talking about the Bidens for a minute and realize that CNN has some upcoming show with these six expert doctors. One of them is the former director of the CDC, Robert Redfield, who has now finally admitted that it is his expert opinion that the virus did in fact emerge from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Many of us have been saying that since the beginning, and we were called conspiracy theorists. We were told by the media, by experts, that we were conspiracy theorists. This is the first time, to my knowledge, that the CDC the NIH or the WHO have admitted that the virus came from a lab. Now you can brush this off and say, well, you know, it doesn't really matter like how the virus came to be. It's still so deadly and so harmful. And everybody goes to the hospital, at least half the people. And I know that because I'm a communist and I know about the science and the data. But what we have here is well over a year of a cover up about one of the most important elements of the coronavirus story. We should understand that the fact it came from a lab means a whole lot of things that wouldn't be true if it had somehow jumped from a bat to a human in the Wuhan wet market. It means, first of all, that in that lab. They should have all the records of how this virus was manipulated and therefore you would think they would be better prepared to deal with it and treat it, right? I mean, they have all the information, all the records on this virus, pretending that it came from nature means that they have to learn all these things that the Wuhan Institute of Virology already knew. And the fact that the people in our public health sector didn't bother with that this entire time, and that China wouldn't allow investigators into that lab to find these things out, means that our response to COVID was inhibited by this cover-up. It has to be. But beyond that, knowing... That it was in a, that it emerged from the lab, then we have two options. Either it emerged accidentally by someone within the lab getting infected and then taking it out of the lab and infecting other people, thereby starting the pandemic, which would be an utter failure of science to a nearly unimaginable level like, whoops, we accidentally let this thing we were fucking with get out of the lab, and now it's destroying the world, or the story about it is destroying the world, is more accurate. That's like a plot of a dystopian sci-fi film where those scientists are responsible for everything. And that is now our best-case scenario, where it was pure negligence by the scientific community that allowed this to happen. That in itself would be an historic scientific failure. But the other option is actually worse because we know that what they were doing was gain of function research funded by Obama, Gates, Fauci, and others. That's not a conspiracy theory. That's real. That's what they were doing in the lab. They were making the virus more deadly and more transmissible. For science, you know, so that they would better know how to treat it. It's not good enough to just have normal viruses that emerge from the world. No, we have to fuck with that virus and, of course, patent it as well just in case something like that does emerge in the world so we can handle it better. Legitimately, that's the logic. And that is insane. We also know that that's a bioweapons lab and that this gain-of-function research was likely being done to create this virus as a biological weapon. So if it didn't leak by accident, then it leaked on purpose. And that means that this facility run by the Chinese Communist Party in concert with the People's Liberation Army. Created this virus and then unleashed it on the world while shutting down travel from China. And that is an act of war. I said this in March of last year. So, aren't you glad, Kami, that we have a president who is weak and feckless and unable to think in complete sentences in a position to respond to an act of war from our most powerful and evil? Global adversary, you know, the one with concentration camps. No worries, though. Joe Biden and Tony Blinken still feel like we can do business with them. Doesn't that make you feel safe? But let's talk about Sidney Powell for a second, because this week headlines came out after Sidney Powell filed her response to Dominion Voting Systems defamation lawsuit against her where they're seeking like $1.3 billion or something absurd. Wood put this out on Telegram, and I'm just going to read his response because Wood is a genius and a lawyer and can do this much better than I can. Looks like Sidney Powell may have a defamation lawsuit of her own developing. How many of you heard reports akin to the following statement? Quote, Powell argues in her motion that no reasonable person would conclude that her accusations of Dominion's election rigging scheme were truly statements of fact. And that is essentially what the reporting was saying. And Linwood even attached an Axios article claiming that exact thing by using little clips of quotes from her filing. And Linwood writes fact. The actual statement made by the Powell defense team was merely a citation from Kiyohani, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, versus Stewart, 882P.2D12931299, Colorado 1994 decision. I guess that's just a bunch of legal shit that I don't understand. The full citation reads, A statement of opinion relating to matters of public concern, which does not contain a provably false factual connotation or which cannot be reasonably interpreted as stating actual facts about an individual continues to receive full constitutional protection. Got it. In a motion to dismiss the lawsuit filed by Dominion Powell's team quoted the full citation, which includes the criterion that her statements cannot be proven false. Yet fake media only quotes the second criterion. It is a deliberate attempt by Sydney's detractors to paint her as a charlatan. The truth is that she and others such as myself who assert election fraud cannot be proven false because we are telling the truth looking forward to the opportunity to prove our case for election fraud in court. Defamation suits like Dominion's are simply attempts to distract from the core issue, the theft of the 2020 election. Now, my understanding of this, and I think I am correct, is that Sidney Powell was citing the legal definitions and the legal framework of what defamation would have to prove. They would have to prove that her statement contains something that is provably a false factual assertion. And it doesn't, okay? The assertion she made is provably true. And it will be proven true if this case goes to discovery, period. Dominion knows what they did. That is why they are trying to send out these massive lawsuits like the one they filed against Fox News, so that people stop talking about it. They want the discussion to end. They do not want to go to court. Dominion commits election fraud. The reason the Dominion system exists is to commit election fraud. We don't need computerized elections. We simply don't. We just need markable paper ballots that are each attached to one real human voter, preferably filed in person and given to that voter after that voter shows proper legal identification. Simple, totally simple. I cannot wait to see how this case progresses. But one thing is clear. The media reasserting what these claims mean doesn't do anything to actually detract from the claims Sidney Powell is making. And at no point did Sidney Powell say proactively about her claims that no reasonable person could think that they are true claims of fact. That just did not happen. And now I want to end with a little Friday fun, courtesy of our friend at Newsweek, Ewan Ewanon Palmer. That's my name for him. It's going to stick. It's beautiful. I did it by accident. Not taking too much credit, but it still was me who did it. So Ewanon Palmer... Almost every single day, he comes up with something amazing about QAnon. So this was actually yesterday's, but here's the headline. QAnon continue to harass Chrissy Teigen after she deletes Twitter account. The QAnon community is continuing to attack Chrissy Teigen and her link to unfounded claims of child abuse after the model and TV personality deleted her Twitter account. Well, OK, but let's just start using the word attack correctly in the future. No one attacked her. They wrote things about her on the Internet. And they didn't even write them to her on Twitter. Why? Because she's not on Twitter anymore. Tegan, who had more than 13.7 million Twitter followers, announced that she is deactivating her account because social the social media site quote, no longer serves me as positively, okay? It is not clear if there was a particular online incident that made Tegan decide to delete her account, but she has frequently been the target of online harassment. Now, let's just pause for a second, and I will admit that that is true. She has often been the target of online harassment, but that has not happened as often as she has created targets for online harassment by her uninformed political opinions and her statements about people that then cause her legion of deranged communist fans to go after people. The attacks ranged from people criticizing how Tegan's fame helped her become a publisher of recipe books to announcing that she had suffered A miscarriage last year. What? Stating that someone only was able to publish a cookbook because they were famous constitutes an attack? Also, Chrissy Teigen is the one who posted a picture of her miscarriage incident online. She opened herself up to that. If there had simply been a statement that she had a miscarriage or the news had reported that she had a miscarriage, I imagine that the level of attacks would have been minimal. Instead, she makes a big thing out of it. And most people were attacking the fact that she made a big deal out of it, which is weird. Notably, Tegan and her husband, John Legend, We're also one of the first celebrities. Well, that is not proper grammar whatsoever. They can't both be one of the first celebrities. To be targeted by the QAnon movement, falsely claiming the pair visited Jeffrey Epstein's private Caribbean island and were part of a cabal of high profile satanic child abusers. I I love that he just puts this stuff out there. (laughs) By the way, I've said many times I'm not. Of the belief that she does this. I've met John before and I know friends of theirs like this sounds unlikely to me. What could be possible is that they were put in a compromising situation. I could totally believe that. But I don't think that they just out of nowhere joined a cabal of ritual child abusers but I'm open to the possibility that they were. As far back as December 2017, just months after the basis of the QAnon theory began to appear online, not what happened, Tegan faced unfounded claims that she was part of a secret pedophile ring, resulting in her publicly arguing with early QAnon supporter Liz Crokin. Crokin also continued to allege Tegan was involved in the debunked not debunked Pizzagate conspiracy theory, which falsely claimed leading Democrat figures, including Hillary Clinton, were connected to a child sex ring linked to the Comet Ping Pong Pizzeria in Washington, D.C. If you haven't studied Pizzagate, and again, I am agnostic on some level about Pizzagate, but the debunking of Pizzagate, the entire content of that debunking is that Comet Ping Pong does not have a basement because the abuse that was purported happened in a basement. And Comet Ping Pong doesn't have a basement. But the owner, James Oliphantus, has another place called the Pegasus Museum that does have a basement. And that part, from what I've seen, is much harder to debunk. And also, if you're feeling up to it, Fire up a non-Google search engine. I would go with quant. That's what I use. Q-W-A-N-T. No relation to the other Q. I don't think. That'd be fucking awesome if it was. (laughs) Fire that up and Google, or not Google, but search John Podesta art. And then search that with James Aliphantus and Comet Ping Pong. And judge for yourself what you see. So I don't know if Pizzagate is true or not true. What I do know is that a good place to find out would be Anthony Weiner's laptop. But of course, we can't see it. Back to you and on Palmer. In July 2020, Tegan announced that the continued harassment from quote six psychopaths had gotten so severe she had blocked more than 1 million Twitter accounts and deleted 60,000 of her tweets, which the QAnon community were claiming as proof that she was part of an elite, cannibalistic, pedophile ring. He keeps saying it. It's very weird to delete 60,000 tweets. Would you agree? 60,000 is a very, very large number. That's not just a few out-of-context tweets. That's a hell of a lot of tweets. And blocking more than 1 million Twitter accounts? Let's be realistic. She used blockchains and bots and keywords to do that. It's not like she was like, oh, this person's harassing me. Block 1 million times. Many of the deleted tweets as far, from as far back as 2013 include Tegan merely referencing pizza or watching reality TV show Toddlers and Tiaras. Following the announcement that Tegan has deleted her Twitter, supporters of QAnon, Not a thing reacted with glee and pushed unfounded claims that doing so means she could soon be arrested. And it definitely couldn't mean that. I mean, you and on Palmer is sure that whatever the reason she deleted her Twitter, it wasn't anything to do with this quote. It was a group of us Anons who got Chrissy Teigen to lock her account, get Twitter to help her remove 60,000 tweets of hers, which are filled with pizza code words and sexual jokes and innuendos about small children, and then blockchain blocked over a million users after we absolutely wrecked her on Twitter, end quote, a post on the We The Media Telegram channel, which has more than 204,000 subscribers, said, quote, seems to me we aren't the only ones that didn't like her. So many people don't, in fact, that she got, quote, bullied into leaving Twitter for good. She deleted her account. It's either that or she's creating a scene about some other reason she may not be around online soon. And obviously, that's speculation. That's the end of the quote, by the way. In response to the post, QAnon supporters made further accusations against Tegan, all while harassing and insulting her, including suggesting she is dead (laughs) or has been sent to Guantanamo Bay a common belief among the conspiracy theorists as part of their prophecy known as, quote, the storm. An entire thread about Tegan deleting her Twitter account also appears on the greatawakening.win, a Reddit-style message board site used by QAnon supporters. Let's hope this means she's getting investigated soon and arrested, one post on the thread read. She's probably trying to delete her obvious pedo evidence, but thankfully the Wayback Machine exists. Now, again... Those tweets might be evidence of real dark shit, or they might just be weird tweets that can be applied to multiple contexts. Again, that's why I'm agnostic about this stuff. They are not dispositive of anything. In her final tweet, Tegan wrote, quote, my desire to be liked and fear of pissing people off has made me somebody you didn't sign up for and a different human than I started out here as. Live well, tweeters. Please know all I ever cared about was you. Well, I mean, come on, Chrissy. Do better. You're a hot chick that married a rich guy and is now famous for being on the internet. Okay? Like, cool and fine. Like, I've met Chrissy too. Like, she didn't Seemed to me unusual at all. I mean, this was like seven years ago. But not all you ever cared about was your Twitter followers. You cared about monetizing social media and propelling your own fame, just like everyone else in your position does. You don't have to lie about that part. Like if that's your thing. okay, just say it. It's okay, Right. I don't like it. I don't find it pleasing that people are desperate for fame and employ social media to those ends, but also it is something you can monetize. And if that's what you want to do with your life, there's not something inherently morally wrong about that. I think it's narcissistic and attention seeking, and I think it'll end up bringing you nothing but unhappiness, but it's not morally wrong automatically. And you can just admit it rather than pretending you actually really care about 14 million strangers. I mean, don't be ridiculous for fuck's sake. Just end it on an honest note. All right. And just so it doesn't go unmentioned, my plan had been after my podcast yesterday to watch the House proceedings, or maybe it was a joint House and Senate committee. I hope I'm not being inaccurate here, but I started watching the thing and it was excruciating and I. I would have eventually watched the whole thing, but the clips and highlights I saw and the first, I don't know, 20 minutes or so I watched where Democrat Congress people were actually demanding more censorship from the social media platforms was too annoying to deal with. So I didn't do it. And Tucker Carlson covered some of it. You can watch some coverage there. I'm sure some other people did a good job covering it too. And I'm just going to take a pass on this one because it's too excruciating and too much of a waste of time. The big tech CEOs are some of the most perniciously evil and dishonest people who exist in our society. And I have never seen anything to warrant me reassessing that position. So I'm going to take a pass on that. I hope you all have a good weekend. I will be back on Monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. And Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye.